And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Are you ready? Yes, it's the Rhino. I just want the paper. I done came down so clean. I'm shining on the haters. Ain't none better than me. Paint wetter than he. 400 And out come Rhino. Rhino. I just want the paper. I done came down so clean. I'm shining on the haters. Ain't none better than me. Paint wetter than he. 400 again brought to you by our friends at prowrestling.com i'm your host dan rhino and i am joined this week he's the host of fight tv so says shernoff he's the host of fight tv's upcoming weekly show on the ropes with josh shernoff he is the host of the hottest new podcast in wrestling mind of the meanie i'm assuming he also hosts bingo games at local senior centers because he hosts everything it's josh shernoff what's up man Oh, man. Hey, happy to be back. Happy to have somebody to talk to during these times. Yeah, other than your kids? Yeah, my kids, my <laughs> wife. I think I think they're more sick of me than I am of them. But, uh, and of course, the Blue Meanie. I get to talk to the Blue Meanie once a week, so that's a lot of fun. So the first time we had you on is when you were doing the After Chat with Bill After, and I was a huge fan of your work on there, uh, along with your disdain for Baron Corbin, which made me feel like we could, we could someday <laughs> become good friends. Yeah. Uh, so you came on this show, and then shortly thereafter, the Fight TV gig with So Says Chernoff came along. And then the second time you were on here with us was maybe about six months ago. And then since then, you've gotten a second show coming up on Fight TV, uh, On the Ropes with Josh Chernoff, which we'll talk about in a bit. And now you've got a new podcast, Mind of the Meanie, with ECW legend Blue, the Blue Meanie. So who knows what... This appearance on the Rhino Wrestling Review is going to elicit. I, I'm getting the the uh, the rub from the Rhino Wrestling Review is what's <laughs> happening here. I think. Um, no, I you know I'm just continuously uh, feeling lucky and fortunate and, and floored by the opportunities that I've gotten. Um, and it seemed like you know I was really when everything happened in the world and and everything started getting canceled and postponed and um, you know I had three. Four now, I think four appearances that I was going to be doing with AEW for Fight TV um, planned where I'd be doing, you know, like the social media hype stuff and things like that. Um, and I had uh, obviously the whole WrestleMania weekend was going to be doing stuff with uh, WrestleCon and with Fight TV mm -hmm. there hosting things. And I think I was supposed to be hosting uh, like a pre-show for one of the one of the in-ring events and everything went away. And, and I just kind of have this feeling of like. Okay, well, this was a good run, but you know, but I guess you know, because because when you're kind of when you're constantly going and constantly moving, you're feeling like okay, hey, I'm continuously progressing. But I have been so lucky that um, that I've been able to keep working throughout this. Uh, I, I had the opportunity now once a week. I'm on the Pro Wrestling Report 
um, which is on Fight TV as well and on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. They're always, they do a live show, uh, which is incredible to me because I, I love the fact that I can clean my stuff up in post. So anytime, you know, doing a live show, I'm impressed by people who choose to do that. But uh, so yeah, I've had an opportunity to be, um, to be on those shows once a week and now doing the Mind of the Meanie podcast, uh, which is incredible. I love doing that. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm consistently working now doing this, which is which is really great. I feel really lucky to mm-hmm. have that. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have you know that that same situation. I'm I'm in the same th- you know situation with my teaching job is that I'm fortunate enough to still be getting paid mm-hmm. during this because we're doing the online learning, but. You know, there's so many people out there. The un- unemployment rate they talked about is, has never been, you know, higher uh, in recent memory. And it's, um, you know, we we got to be grateful for, for what we have. Uh, and yeah. uh, speaking of what, what you have, you've got the Mind of the Meanie, which I've been super entertained by with the first four episodes. Hey. Uh, you talked on the first episode of that show about how the podcast came about. But in case our listeners don't know or haven't heard it, how did that relationship with Meany come about? And then uh, kind of give us your elevator pitch for the show. Yeah, so the relationship uh, really was just as I was doing more and more events, be it StarCast or other conventions and going to film stuff for Sosa Chernoff, um, I'd always see the Meany there. Uh, he was a, a very approachable person and we just kind of hit it off right away. So anytime that I would see him, I would kind of, like it went from just kind of hang around for uh, the first time was the first star cast. Um, I had met him once before just as a fan years earlier, but, uh, the first star cast, I asked him if I'd get an interview with him. We just had a, a good interview and a good, maybe five minute chat afterwards. And, uh, seemed like a really good dude. Next time I saw him, just went up and said hello again and, uh, and it just kind of kept going like that. I just kept seeing him. Um, and he, he, if I knew he was going to be there, he was one of my go-to guys to get an interview with because I just had so much fun interviewing him. Um, but our conversations before and after the interview, it seemed like every time would just be longer. You know, we, we would just kind of chat more and start to become friends. And, uh, and then I saw him at, and these are always short form interviews that I would do. And then I saw him at MLW um, at the old ECW arena. And, uh, I, I went, uh, up to him and asked him if he would be interested in doing one of the on the ropes episodes, which, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yep. Uh, and those are just sit down long form interviews. So we found a room in the locker room and, um, and we did like a 20, 25 minute long interview. And it was the first time that I felt like we really got to like, work together you know more than just a hey man you're here at starcast you're you know having a good time and so now you know we we got to really do that and he just opened up and it was he was a lot of fun to interview um and again we just talked more and more and and uh mrs meany who's always with him at these things tracy she's awesome um so i've so again it's always like we have a great time just kind of catching up and talking and what happened was he he was as he tells it he was uh getting off the turnpike and a uh a blue light went on over his head and he had this idea because he'd been thinking about, you know, I want to do a podcast, but who am I going to talk to? Who's going to be my co-host? And he just thought, Hey, I've been working with this Josh Chernoff guy a lot. Like we just did that interview. And I think he had told me that one of the things that, that stuck out to him was, um, I asked him after the, on the ropes interview, like, Hey, were, were those questions? Okay. Was it that? And I think 
that uh that stood out to him in a way and and uh so yeah so he hit me up he sent me a uh, he slid into my dms i think <laughs> is the, it's called and um and said hey would you have any interest in doing something like that and the funny thing is i had actually reached out to him almost exactly a year earlier uh because he had put out a post saying hey would anyone listen to me doing a podcast and i said hey man if you ever need any help with that stuff just let me know and i was really reluctant the idea of getting back into doing podcasts um just because as you know it's a you know i got spoiled with doing a monthly show mm -hmm. you know <laughs> I'm, i'm working once a month on so says sure enough and um the commitment of knowing you have to churn out these episodes every week um and scheduling when i was doing the the after chat scheduling was always tough um which was nobody's fault it was just my schedule and bill's schedule just never really seemed to mesh the way that meanies and mine do um so i but i looked at it, i said how on earth am i turning down an opportunity to work with the blue meanie you know a, a guy that i've always been a huge fan of um so uh yeah so i said yeah let's let's do it and and we got on a call together and uh then we basically text like a you know bunch of girls every day you know we're <laughs> back and forth constantly texting different ideas and and uh and it's fun because sometimes you know I'll, i'll shoot him over something hey what do you think of this and he'll you know very nice just be like yeah i don't know and i'll be like, okay and back to the drawing boards and same thing but it's like we we have this really good rapport now where there's You know, we know like there's no hard feelings. Like if I send him something, I'll just be like, you tell me if this is garbage, send mm -hmm. send this idea back and just say, nope, we're not doing it. Um, but we've come up with some really cool stuff. Before we hopped on this call, I actually just sent him a message with another idea for a T-shirt. Um, and he he actually liked this one. So it's, it's going <laughs> to happen. But um, but no, so uh, yeah, that's really just how it came to be. And, and I brought any experience that I had in this platform uh, to kind of get things up and running and then um we ended up doing the show over uh over skype and now we use a different program too but uh, we ended up doing it that way because uh we were planned to be doing it at the same community college where i film so says Chernoff. Mm -hmm. and we had a deal with the school set up and and they were gonna have students working on it and we were gonna be recording in their podcast room and then you know the world ended and mm -hmm. uh we said well you know, I guess we'll just have to do it this other way. And then we said, well, then why are we waiting? You know, we were waiting for a certain date. So we did it like a month early. We started and, uh, and yeah, and the rest, as they say, is history. Well, I've really been enjoying uh, the show so far. You guys just seemed like to be having a conversation instead of like a rigidly formatted show. And mm -hmm. it seems very natural and fun. I think that, you know, that really, especially right now, you know uh with everything going on in the world i think that format and that presentation really uh rings true and really hits home with a lot of people so that's one of the things that i've really been enjoying is you guys will co you know cover you know potpourri of topics but it just kind of seems like a couple of guys you know having a conversation i, I appreciate that and that's actually a, a great compliment because that is the intention and it's a weird thing when you go in with an intent of being natural like okay our game plan is to be natural it's like yeah. these things are you know <laughs> contradictory but um but it's really i i feel like by the third episode and the fourth episode we've really been hitting our stride um and part of it is we started doing we started video chatting with each other mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think just being able to see each other and those, those physical cues make it, um, make it easier for us to be able to interact and, and, uh, have fun. But yeah, that's been, you know, you mentioned the elevator pitch before, uh, we want to put on a show that touches on every topic that can pop into the mind of the meanie. Um, and of course, I guess in my mind as well, and we see me as the tour guide. That's why I was calling myself. I'm the tour guide into the mind of the meanie. And we just go all over the place and we eventually get, we, we eventually finish at some point, you know, we get <laughs> back to the end of the story. Um, but the, the idea was we, we really wanted it to feel if you're driving somewhere, you're these days sitting at home, uh, alone, we wanted you to feel like you could put this on and you're hanging out with us and you're just, you know, you're sitting at, at the bar or sitting at a restaurant or, you know, sitting in a living room somewhere and it's just a couple of friends chatting and we want everybody else who's listening to feel like they're a part of it. And, and which goes as far as to, and this is a very long elevator pitch. Apparently we're going to the penthouse, but yeah, it's um, the empire state building <laughs> elevator, but we, but yeah, but we, but, but so that's the end of my pitch, but to end on, uh, to add on to that, you know, we want that interaction with, with the fans that we've now named the pod squad, like the job squad. Um, we want that interaction. So we want on social media, obviously, you know, you're not on there with us, but we want you to comment. We want you to say, you know, Hey, Oh, I love this part. Uh, and not just say, Hey, great job. But like, we want to hear you know, do you have an opinion on something we said? Did one of us give an opinion and you just like, hey, that made me think of this. Share it with us. Like legitimately, we want, you know, we want to interact and we want to be able to pop on the next episode and, and say, hey, so-and-so from Facebook or Twitter or whatever said this. And then, you know, really feel like it's, I guess it's a really stretched out conversation, but feel like we're having a conversation with everybody. No, that's the, to me, the coolest part about doing a, a podcast and getting to, to interact with with other people around the world i think to me that is the, the the coolest thing it's not just you know people talking about wrestling and throwing it out there on the internet it's you know that that interaction and being able to you know when somebody has a conflicting opinion that's good you know if we all thought the same way this world would be very boring but i think the yeah. uh, being able to get that that interaction with with the listener is is fantastic and the fact that you've got another uh, avenue, another platform uh, to get your work out there. I wanted to ask you about uh, the upcoming On the Ropes with Josh Chernoff that was originally planned on being a weekly thing on Fight, but we may have mm-hmm. uh, to wait a bit for the schedule to get settled due to the, pa- to the pandemic going on. But you posted uh, on social media that the first couple episodes are ready to go. Uh, you can tell us a little bit about uh, the show, maybe the concept of the show, a little about how it came about, and when we can uh, start checking it out on Fight. Well, the hope is um, that it's going to be what's what's the date today, the twentieth. So four twenty. Went. Yeah, four twenty. <laughs> uh, I guess that's why I can't remember the date. Um, that's right. But uh, the twenty second, so Wednesday, the twenty second, I think is the goal of when it's going to air on fight TV. And then it'll also air on my uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash. So says sure enough, got that in there. Um, but the, uh, the concept behind the show was to do, and there's something that I worked with Mike Weber, uh, the COO of fight TV. We worked on this concept. We wanted to have some more stuff. I wanted to do more with fight. They wanted to do more with me and they wanted more content. Um, so the idea was that we would do these kind of deep dive interviews, um, 
with originally it was kind of the, like we had multiple ideas and we kind of married them together which was um he you know he really wanted to interview these up and coming stars and see like what are you doing to make it like because obviously you're not getting paid full time to be a professional wrestler you know so what is it that you're doing to to get to that level and then i wanted to do some stuff and find out how people got to that level who were already there because i was looking at saying like i'm backstage at AEW a lot i'm doing like i have this access to to so many uh people that i haven't heard their stories so you know and i at least haven't heard it in my own you know the way that i'm going to ask these questions so you know i i was curious about doing something like that so we kind of married those ideas together uh and therein lies part of the problem of why we can't do the entire season as planned because the the concept is we start with we have maybe a 20 25 minute uh interview with a name talent an established talent be it a legend or someone active or you know somebody that that's been been to the dance so to speak and we go we take our first commercial break we come back and we have a 10 minute segment called the future star spotlight and that is an interview with with somebody who is working you know an up and comer trying to make it so if for instance is episode 1 happened to be uh with the blue meanie that was you know the interview that I was talking about earlier so we have half the interview with the blue meanie then we go to this guy his name's Royal Money and he's uh, a local independent wrestler he uh, trained at the Monster Factory and he's you know he is trying to make it in this business and the idea the concept behind this is in the same sense that if royal money was on a show and was wrestling the blue meanie or teaming with the blue meanie uh that that would give him the rub that would help get him over get him exposure the concept is that this is going to help get him exposure because while maybe nobody is tuning in for royal money or episode 2 is Cameron Hall who is guy who does uh, a show completely damaged on Monco Radio um where I film my my Sosa Shernoff show So he's somebody who's doing interviews. Well, he's paired up with Alicia too, mm-hmm. uh, who works for MLW now, who's the interview queen. So again, it's the idea where a Royal Money or a Cameron Hall might not get it, it, nobody is going and nothing against them, but nobody is going to tune in sure. in the same way that that I don't know that people would tune into the the you know Josh Shernoff podcast whereas when I paired up with Bill Apter or paired up with the Blue Meanie that gave me a lot of uh recognition and kind of that seal of approval you know so that that was kind of my idea of how to kind of pay it forward because I do feel like I've had I've been lucky in that regard to be associated with uh people with a name so that's the idea the problem we ran into was the plan was to get a ton of interviews with indie talent and a ton of interviews with name talent in Tampa uh for WrestleMania weekend. Mm-hmm. And our whole thing was kind of planned. We had gotten a bunch of interviews at MLW uh, at the ECW Arena, but the plan was that we were going to fill out the rest of the of the first season uh in Tampa. And obviously that didn't happen and that's where the delay is. And even though I do have some more interviews with uh we've got one with Devon Eriks, we have one with uh Savio Vega, uh Brian Pillman Jr., we've got some really great uh interviews but i don't have the interviews with the with the lesser known uh, up and coming guys and i really you know when we talked about it with fight and everything i really was adamant that i don't want to just do episodes and say okay but hey we still have a 20 minute episode with Brian Pillman Jr. 
it kind of defeats what the purpose of this show is. And the purpose is to shine that spotlight on somebody who otherwise might not have that. And so I'd rather hold off on these interviews and even allow them to be slightly dated than to not take advantage of, of exposing the younger, uh, not necessarily even younger, but the up and coming talent. Sure. Yeah. That sounds like a, an awesome concept, you know, kind of talking about maybe the past and, and present of wrestling and then talking about mm-hmm. the future of wrestling and kind of meshing that all together. And, you know, that's a, that's especially cool at, around this time, you know, with the with the independent talent. And I think it's probably going to come, come up in some of the emails here. There's not a lot of places to work right now, you know, for a lot of right. a lot of these uh, indie guys. And I thought it was, you know, kind of cool to see. Uh, AEW kind of given uh, an opportunity on Dynamite to uh, some of the mm-hmm. uh, the indie talent, you know, to get exposure on uh, national television. But yeah. and it is just a for this is probably the worst time to be a, a a pro wrestler who has prospects of you know one day like you said making it to the show because. As it's going to come up in some of our emails, there's just not a lot of spots available to do that. So having a show like uh, the one you've got coming up on Fight TV, I think, is is just another opportunity and another avenue for them, you know, to hopefully get their name out there, which is really neat. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I appreciate you saying that because that that really is the intention. It is tough, and you know, like I said before, paying it forward. I I always felt like I. Um, I've worked very, very hard to get what I, what I, you know, have gotten in this business. Um, so I don't want to take that away from myself. But at the same time, my relationship uh, to Bill Apter was a foot in the door that uh, somebody with twice the talent of me and no connection would not have had. And and that's, you know, so even somebody equal talent to me, that was my my step up. Now, you know, he cracked that door open, but it was my responsibility to to make something of myself with it and you know that was something that he pretty much kind of put out there like hey i'm here's your opportunity and that's when i i looked at it and said okay I, i've got this audience let me what if i do my own little kind of comedy show and that was the whole so so sure enough thing mm-hmm. was i saw that opportunity and just kind of got in there so for me i mean i'm basically giving a 10 minute commercial to these guys mm-hmm. and saying you know do something in this interview and, and it's not like a it's not a promo you know but do something say something uh show yourself that's going to connect to an audience where the audience is going to go never seen this guy wrestle don't know who he is but i'm rooting for them you know that that's kind of what i wanted to be able to do uh, and it's not just wrestlers like i said you know the interviewers uh i have one with ref, a referee um so there's you know i'm trying to get and I'm trying to pair them up where I can too. So a referee will be an established referee, and um, I got one with uh, Mark Haggerty, who's a ring announcer from LW, and I'm hoping to get one uh, with Justin Roberts, which I was hoping to have done at either the Jersey or Philly show, um, but neither of those worked out. So we'll get you know pair that up, and there's going to be some really fun names uh, who have already agreed to be a part of it. So it's going to be very cool. That sounds awesome. Well, if you're ready, Josh, let's get into some emails here. I'm ready. Uh, well, you can always email email us, rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com. We like to clear out the mailbag from time to time and make sure we're responding to everyone. And Josh Chernoff is going to help me this week 
The first email comes from Peter in Tallahassee, Florida, and Peter writes, It bothers me that WWE signed every free agent they could get their hands on simply to keep them away from the competition, didn't utilize them creatively, then releases them in the middle of a global pandemic. Am I way off course here, or is just this just the way that the wrestling business works? Uh, we had mass uh, a mass exodus from WWE this week. A lot of uh, people in, I mean, from talent to referees to uh, legends like Kurt Angle uh, getting released this week in a cost-cutting move by, by WWE. And it did seem for a while there that, uh, to Peter's point, WWE was signing everybody and giving deals to people that they probably weren't even that interested in, but just to keep those people away from competition, as uh, especially with AEW was on the rise when all these big signings started happening. And then we get a lot of these people just let go. So are you as bothered by that as Peter is, or is this just kind of the way the wrestling business is and it's something we got to uh, just deal with? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to an extent, it's it's business mm-hmm. in general, right? But um, we've seen this all over the world, people being furloughed or people being let go. Um, so there are a couple, in his question, there are a couple pieces to that. So the signing every free agent they get their hands on part, um, simply to keep them away from competition, he said, and then the, the not using them creatively. So not using them creatively, I would say these are two different things because creative doesn't sign people, you know? So, I mean, and yeah, of course there's an aspect of, there's a, 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 you know, an overlap there between some people, but I don't believe that they in general signed everybody to just hoard them, right? You know, just to, to keep them uh, away from another place. I do think that what happened was they looked at some talent out there and said, that person has potential Let's get them, put them in our developmental system and develop them. And I think that, you know, it might look on the outside to a lot of people. And I'm not a WWE apologist. You know, there are plenty of things that, you know, a lot of times people think that I'm an AEW apologist and and trashing WWE. But I love WWE. And I, I think that my 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 feeling on this is. A lot of the times it looks to fans like somebody has been signed and hoarded and just kept away, uh, where in actuality they're in the performance center and they're they're building them. They're teaching them. There's so much. I can tell you from my own personal experiences when I was in OVW, there is so much that for everything you think you know and everything that you actually do know, when you get into that system or even close to that system, and this is already going back 12 years, you, you realize for everything that you do know, there's 10, 20, 30 things you never even thought of. And, you know, sometimes that's that's hard for uh, that's hard for fans to, to recognize. And I get that completely because it's hard for me to recognize sometimes. But I think a perfect example of that is you look at the talent, um, the, the established talent that leaves and goes somewhere else and thrives. That's your difference between the PC and the and the creative. We'll say that's the difference between what they're learning and what they're being presented with in creative. So I think you look at a guy like John Moxley, uh, not to take anything away from his career prior to the WWE, but you look at him from when he started in the in the WWE and in FCW to when he 
left the WWE and showed up with AEW. Well, now he's this established guy. He knows how to work. He knows how to work a crowd. He knows how to work a camera. He gets all of this stuff. These are all things that he learned while in the WWE. But he was given in AEW, he wasn't given things like a backstage vignette at the doctor's office, getting vaccines and things like that. Um, so <laughs> that to me, that's your, you know, that's the difference in my mind is so I think that they're they're signing people up. Do I think they've signed people up who just to keep them away from someone? Sure. I, I think they have. But at the same time, how is that any different than uh, a sports team? trying to get somebody sure. to their team as opposed to another one. I mean, this is legit. It's competition. Why on earth would you look at a guy and say, hey, you know, he has some potential. Maybe he'll be a star one day. But now nah, we won't sign him. Let him go somewhere else and make money for that company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's that aspect's business. As far as laying all these people off in the middle of a global pandemic, um, I don't know enough about none of us do. And anyone who claims to is, is just lying. You know, I don't know enough about what is going on in that company to understand it. All I know is that the WWE is the furthest from the only company to do something like this. And unfortunately, this is what it is. And they had to let some people go. And some of them were not a surprise. Some of them from a pure business perspective, I would have looked at and said, yeah, I mean, this, this is just taking up money. We can free up money this way. Other people I was surprised with, but you know, Again, you know, you don't know. They may have looked at some people and said, this guy's not happy. That guy's not happy. Why am I? Like, look at uh, uh, the revival and look at um, uh, Gallows and Anderson. These are people who had expressed not being happy. Mm -hmm. And I, maybe I'm telling tales out of school here, too. You know, like it's but they'd express not being happy. So if you're the boss and you're going to let somebody go, are you going to take this guy who, you know, loves being there and wants to be there forever and let them go or are you going to let go of the guy who you say you know what fine we need to save money they're getting paid a lot and they're not happy let them go unfortunately they let go of people who loved it and were happy to be there and mm -hmm. you know, guys like zach Ryder and, and kurt hawkins who i love i i think that they i think it was uh maybe the best thing that ever would have happened to the two of them because i think they're just going to go because their stock is high and i think they're they've got their podcast uh, and I think they're going to go be stars somewhere else at a level that they never would have been able to achieve in the WWE um, because of creative or whatever reason, you know? Yeah, I guess. So that's, just, I mean, that's, I don't know if that answers the question entirely, but. No, I think it does. I, you know, it it's, it is business. I guess the thing that kind of just bugs me a little bit is something you mentioned a second ago. The fact that we had all these people that were unhappy and asking for their releases if they would have granted them those releases a year ago there would have been so many places for them to go they could have gone to new japan but now new japan is shut down you know and new japan's not for the foreseeable future is not going to be opening back up uh there's no indies to go to these guys could have made a killing on the indies right now with as hot as the the indie scene is right now so but here's the thing though but they'd still be out of work Right. Like they'd still be. So had they left earlier, mm -hmm. maybe they would have been able to, you know, make some extra money on merchandise, make some extra money. And a lot of people, a lot of these guys, at least in the beginning, because their name value and being right off WWE TV could make even more money weekly than they were yep. making in WWE. But at this point, they would have been out anyway. So in some ways you can look at it and you can see these guys that were released and you can say for the last month and a half, 
no one in the indies or New Japan have been making any money, but these guys have been. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what their contracts are now. I mean, they have a 90-day no-compete. I don't know. Do they make a percentage of their – do they get paid for the next 90 days? Like, I don't you know, I don't know how that works. Um, so and, – and the last thing I'm going to do is contact any of the people and ask them, hey, man, you still getting paid? But, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that when things do come back and, and things are going to come back, I mean, some, some days it feels like it's not going to, oh, but wow. things will come back. And when, and when they do um, – you know, in a lot of ways, the 90 day no compete is going to be done mm-hmm. by the time these come back. And and this is an opportunity for New Japan. This is an opportunity for AEW, for Ring of Honor, for MLW, Impact Wrestling, any other independent out there. Uh, I don't know if I said New Japan, maybe I did or not. But all of these, this is an opportunity to start super strong. Not only are you back, but you're able to get that surprise on your first episode of television you're able to get you know um pop that live crowd that is first of all i don't feel i feel like we're we're getting ready to hear the largest uh pop the loudest reaction from an audience whoever is that first live audience back on a show is going to be so fired Mm -hmm. up when this happens so you know trying to stay on the bright side of it but you know i i think I think everyone's going to be everyone's going to do well. Drew McIntyre, Cody Rhodes, these are examples of people who were released. And I mean, Cody, I guess, asked for his release, but right. um, I think, right? Or was he? I think there was like kind of a mutual. Thing. Yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah, but uh, but I know Drew was not mutual. Uh, Jinder Mahal, which I know a lot of people can say, well, Jinder Mahal's no success story. Hey, the man went from 3MD, left, came back, and became WWE champion. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people can say they were a WWE champion. So, um, you know, you look at these guys, and it's an example that you can, you know, that you can leave, you go make a lot of money, go make a big impact somewhere, and come back. If that's your ultimate goal, to get back to the WWE, um, I think a handful of these people will. And I also think, and it's important to note, um, not to just keep hearing myself talk, but it's important to note that there are you know, a lot of these producers and stuff that they say were furloughed, and which in a lot of ways, I think, I don't know, I think that's even worse, maybe. Like, you know, um, I know your job's theoretically waiting for you, but like, you know, you're kind of, now you're really just in limbo. Right. Um, but I think when everything kind of gets back to normal, I think a large amount of that that list of people released will be back with the company. So I, you know, it remains to be seen and, and, but it sucks either way. You never want to see this happen to anybody. Um, but it's an opportunity, you know, everything like this is an opportunity. And I think that everybody who's been released that we've heard from seems to have a really good mindset about it and they're going to go make the best of it. Uh, something you kind of alluded to a second ago, uh, the next email from Rick in Kansas city writes, which of the WWE's recent releases was the most surprising? Uh, there was quite a few on that list that kind of caught me off guard. Uh, one you mentioned a second ago was Gallows and Anderson. These were guys that were just involved in the the night one WrestleMania main event with that Boneyard yeah, but how match. Cool, how cool is it, though, that from a storyline standpoint, The Undertaker, like, killed them? <laughs> like, think about it. He throws... He throws That's true. Uh, did he throw both of them? I know he threw Gallows off the off the roof, and that's it. You never see them again. Which so in some ways that's kind of from a, a strictly WWE bubble <laughs> storytelling thing. 
I mean, it's kind of it's a little Muhammad Hassan esque. Yeah, um, if you're gonna that, go right, out, but, that's the way to go out. You know, yeah, the, the Undertaker. Hey, what was your last? Oh, Undertaker murdered me at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, no, he he, he threw me off a roof and killed me. That was it. Um, but uh, no, yeah. There, what were some other surprising ones for you before um, I take your show again? Uh, Rusev was one who a guy. This is a guy who just a little over a year ago was the top merch seller for for WWE. Uh, it seemed like they really you know missed out on an opportunity with him. The most uh, upsetting part of that, though, was that they released him on Rusev Day. Which I, I know! Disrespectful. Of all days, it's um, like when they fired CM Punk on his wedding day. It's like they did they, it they on fi- purpose. They fired IRS on tax day. Oh, my God. So, they know what they're I doing. I mean, this is, yeah, this is <laughs> conspiracy. Um, uh, Leo Rush I, was another guy uh, who, mm-hmm. I, who was gone for a while. They had, like, a big, he had a, you know, big return to the company. Seemed like, uh, you know... Bygones were bygones. They put the cruiserweight title on him, and then now all of a sudden he's gone. And then a guy that wasn't really surprising to me, but because they weren't really using him, but the guy that I see as like the biggest waste uh, was EC3, a guy who mm-hmm. just I loved what he did in Impact, and I was expecting big things from him. Uh, and he did have a little bit of success in NXT before they brought him up to the main roster, but man, that, that just seemed like he he was you know fit fit to be a star there and so it wasn't really surprising that he was released because they weren't really using him but it just seemed like they could have done so much more with him i don't know if any of those uh you know ring true with you or if there's anything else that stands out so ec3 stands out to me but you never know and i and i don't mean to take this as like saying oh you know backstage he was difficult to work with i have absolutely no idea i've never met the guy um and i've never heard anything like that so I, I want to preface it saying that but my point is clearly there was something maybe it was just you know we hear all these stories Vince McMahon may have seen him walk in the hallway one time and just thought to himself nah mm-hmm. you know which seems weird because he looks like a blueprint of what mm-hmm. Vince McMahon would want he has the charisma he has the look he has the ability so I don't I don't know and it looked like he had the the attitude until maybe his attitude changed because he was miserable. I mean, I don't know. And, uh, you know, or maybe it never did. And it has nothing to do with that. It's just, I'm just pontificating. But that my, my feeling with EC3 was that dude was a star waiting to happen and they, they missed the boat with him. Um, you never know what it is. Maybe like they, you know, different creative in different places can have different ideas for people. And, and, uh, you know, he was one that was a little surprising, not surprising based on his his status, but surprising because I think there was so much potential in him. Uh, Drake Maverick was surprising because I felt like he had really shown them that he could do anything. If they wanted him in their wrestling, he could wrestle 205 Live or Cruiserweight stuff, you know, whatever it was. They wanted him as a, a general manager. He did a great job with that. They wanted him as a manager. He did a great job with that. The comedy act with uh, the 24... I mean, him and R-Truth got that 24-7 title over. Mm-hmm. Um, but So that was surprising because he struck me as somebody that was your go-to. Uh, hey, we need to fill something. We want it to be good. Oh, you know, Drake Maverick, put him in there. You know, you know it'll be funny. You know it'll be good. Um, so I was surprised with that. Uh, I mentioned Hawkins and Ryder earlier. Now, I've 
just for whatever I'm a fan of theirs, maybe it's because I also collect action figures. <laughs> maybe it's, you know, um, but, I, you know, those guys, um, you know, I first knew them down in OVW and uh, they got called up to the main roster shortly after I got down to OVW. And uh, but they were always just super cool and had such a strong passion for the business. The thing that yeah, they missed the boat with them. They put the tag titles on them and then they did nothing. And that was, you know, it's like almost like they were just choosing to give them the quote unquote WrestleMania moment. Yeah. And then like out of out of just kindness and then do nothing with them. But um, the thing that confused me about it was how through the, through the action figures, how connected they've been to Mattel and how connected they've been uh on, on that line of it, from a business standpoint, that they've really kind of been the, the face of all of these comic cons and all they've really been the presence of WWE at all of these different things for something that makes them a lot of money, um, makes the WWE a lot of money, these toy lines. And uh, so to me, I found that somewhat confusing um, that because there's so much that they could be doing with them from a business standpoint. Um but I guess they looked at it and said, hey, these guys have been here a while. We don't really know what to do with them. And, you know, which is upsetting because, again, what do you do with them? Well, they're great wrestlers and they're entertaining. Mm-hmm. Let them go out and wrestle. Let them go out and be entertaining. You know, and it, it, it's that goes off into a whole other tangent. But um, so I found them somewhat surprising. Um, you know, you mentioned Rusev. You mentioned, uh, you know, the, the good brothers. Uh, you know, I, I was surprised except for the fact that we've heard for so long, like Rusev was in contract negotiations and stuff that surprised me, uh, that they just let him go. But, uh, and the, and, and the fact that Gallows and Anderson, that they had just recently signed five year Mm -hmm. deals. Um, but I think what happened was, I think they signed those deals out of, and this is again, just conjecture, but I think it was out of fear of letting them go because of being, you know, part of the bullet club and do it, you know, and all that and and thinking these guys are tailor made to go to AEW or to go back to Japan and and you know but maybe they looked at that and said, "Hey, uh, we're not getting our money's worth over the next 5 years." You know, maybe they looked at this and said, "It's just not, you know, cuz the OC thing never really to me wasn't catching on, wasn't really working." So I don't know. Um, you know, I don't have the list in front of me, but uh, some of the other ones that were really shocking were the producers. Billy Kidman, uh, oh, who'd man. been there forever. You know, since, he'd been there since what, 2001, mm-hmm. and worked his way up to the point where he was, you know, working these shows and and like he was timing shows. He was mm-hmm. doing, you know, behind the scenes stuff. So, um, guys like I mentioned, you know, uh, IRS, Mike Rotunda, like that was surprising to me as well. Um, Fit Finley was another one. Fit Finley, man. I mean, he's that's a guy who, and I will say, you know, everybody's, oh, yeah, AEW is going to pick him up. You know, you don't want AEW to be the new TNA, you know, which just picks up everybody's shots off. But Finley is a guy that if they can get him in, I think AEW's weakest point uh, is the women's division. Mm-hmm. And I think that if they can get a guy like Fit Finley in there to work with those women, man, I think you might be looking at, at a total 180 or that, you know, with that division. So, you know, again, it's, you know, one person's trash is another one's treasure. You know, I, I think so many of these people, I think everyone's going to land on their feet one way or the other, but I think so many of these people are going, you know, companies like all the ones I mentioned before are just drooling now just going oh my god we can get this guy that guy that guy you mentioned not having a lot of spaces well 
in one way, you look at it like a Ring of Honor could be looking at going, well, AEW only has so many spaces. So, you know, and that's not like they're getting the leftovers. Uh-huh. It really isn't because it's just whoever might fit well for AEW, maybe, you know, maybe doesn't fit well for AEW, will fit perfectly at Ring of Honor or MLW or Impact or something like that. So NWA, too, uh-huh. you know, a lot of people want to see the revival go oh, there for at, yep. least, for at least a stint before, sure. you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of – but it was surprising. I mean, it was it – was, uh, I think the whole thing was surprising. Mike Chioda, that's maybe my most surprise, and, and that might be the one that surprised me the most. Been there since 1989. Um, that I just found shocking, but who knows? Maybe that was a conversation with, hey, Mike, you know, we're going to let you go, and then we'll take care of you, bring you back in something else, and you'll retire, and blah, blah. You know, who knows? Who really knows? So. Well, I figured out the Mike Kyoto thing. There was a moment when Carmella was cashing in her money in the bank, and she had to explain to Mike Kyoto about 35 times that I, <laughs> I want to cash this in now. I want to take advantage of Charlotte in the corner right now, and Mike Kyoto was just not understanding that. <laughs> that was a couple years ago. I think that might have been the, the start of the downfall was, for Mike Kyoto. That was Kyoto. the beginning of the end. That was it. Him. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That was that it. Was it. You uh, can't understand money in the bank. <laughs> Uh, the Dark Knight writes in WWE's proposed uh, WWE's proposed Money in the Bank concept for next month's pay per view sounds like the worst wrestling idea in recent memory, or something so crazy that it might be good. What side of the line do you fall on? Uh, the news came out that Money in the Bank for next month is going to take place at in Stamford, Connecticut, I guess, at uh, the WWE headquarters. And the actual Money in the Bank match is going to start at floor one of the the building, and competitors are going to have to fight their way to the roof just to get to that Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, Something so dumb that it could be cool, or just dumb? What do you think? I love it. I dig it too, man. (laughs) I think it sounds awesome. I just think it's going to be, if done right, uh, and they showed at WrestleMania that they can do things right mm-hmm. um, it, without audiences and stuff. I think anytime you can you can put on a show in a place where an audience wouldn't be, mm-hmm. then you don't have a feeling like oh where's the audience? Like that was the the, the Boneyard match. And no no point was it like oh where's the audience? Yep. The Firefly Funhouse, which was insane, but I yep. loved it. Me too. Um, uh, I actually really liked the Edge and Orton match. I thought was was really good. Um, I know Dave Meltzer didn't agree, and you can you can watch uh, this month's So Says Chernoff to feel to hear more on my thoughts of Dave Meltzer's thoughts. Um, but yeah, so I think it's I think it's cool, and at the same time, it's something that's never happened before. You know, some great spots can go in there. People going through drywall, going through tables, going through glass. You know, like it, who knows what they're gonna do. Um, and it's just kind of cool because you get a tour of the uh, of the building mm-hmm. and and. Uh, it's different. It's different. And that has been my one – I mentioned before that I do the Pro Wrestling Report once a week. And they asked before the Raw before WrestleMania, they said they, – they asked every all of the analysts, as they call us, that are on there. Uh, they asked, what do we – what are we hoping to see from Raw? And all I said was something different, something that is going to make me excited for what this WrestleMania is going to be. And that goes along with everything. The, the, the issue I've had the most with these empty arena shows has been 
the lack of uh, the the lack of change, whether it's coming out and playing to a crowd that isn't there, whether it's like that there's been coming out doing your promos to the live audience that isn't there, it, it doesn't it doesn't work. It, it it doesn't work with no audience, and and they haven't strayed. So to see them stray, and and do something like this, which they never would have even considered doing. If not for the the situation that they're in, I love it. I think it's a great idea. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I think it's uh, you use the word different. I had that in my notes. You got to be creative in these weird times. You can't just do it business as usual because then, like you said, if you're going out and pandering to a crowd that's not there, it just comes off as awkward. But if mm-hmm. you're doing something that's different. I I think that that you know grabs people's attention. That's what I think the you know the matches the the two pre-tape matches the Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard match at WrestleMania. Those were so different, and they had time to you know iron out all the the the, cre- the creases and everything to make it look smooth and make it make it look good. And it was so different that it was cool. And the first thing that I thought of when I when I thought about uh, them having matches on the roof of of titan towers uh do you remember that old raw intro where they filmed it with the helicopters (laughs) and things like that and they were just beating the crap out of each other on the roof i said man that is that was like the coolest raw intro ever and i think that we can kind of you know recreate that atmosphere a little bit i think it could be awesome that's an interesting idea you know what i never really thought of i've been wondering what what the roof was going to look like Mm -hmm. like is the briefcase just sitting there or is there going to be a ring and ladders and they get all the way to the top and now they've got a ring and ladders and they've got a contraption holding the uh the belt or holding the briefcase or have it hanging from a helicopter that's what i want to see (laughs) i want a helicopter hovering over the building with the briefcase attached to it on like a zip line i i i dig it i yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to it like i said uh you know, if it's if it's different, I, I think it's it's worth a shot. You know, it could be, you never know. It could be a spe- spectacular failure, but I like that they're thinking outside the box. I think I like that it's forcing them to be creative. And sometimes pro wrestling needs to be forced in order to change things. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. Unfortunately, it took a global pandemic to do it. Yeah. Uh, the next one comes from Yellow Dog. Uh, and they write, I really miss having fans at these weekly shows, but one of the things I do not miss is fans hijacking shows with selfish, off-color, or mean chants. What do you think is the most annoying chant in wrestling? Josh Chernoff, what? what comes to mind? What? 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 Yeah, the what. Oh, so yeah. I'm kind Awful. of, it, 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 it's, it's a tie. Eh, no, I'm going to say what is the is the number one. Uh, because now you're at a point where the majority of the people who chant it, which has kind of died off a little bit, which is mm-hmm. nice, but some of the people who have chanted it, you know, like these people weren't even alive mm-hmm. when when that started. They don't even know what it has to do with. Um, it, it was just a ruined promos for such a long time because yep. you couldn't get invested in it, and you can't be invested if all you're doing is just focused on yourself. And you know, um, the. Uh, the you deserve it chant is like that's up there with the fight forever and uh you know and the this is awesome honestly they're nowhere near as annoying but they're handed out like candy on halloween you know like you don't even have to really earn it um 
you know, the, the, there'll be this is awesome chance. And you're just like, I don't know. I mean, like, what did like, they do? It's pretty good. Like, what did they do to? <laughs> yeah, or the the fight forever. There have been some matches where that chant starts, and I'm like, wow, yeah, oh my god, what an amazing moment. And some matches where I'm like, no, they could have. <laughs> I mean, they could go home now. Like that'd be all right. Um, so yeah, those are some of them. Um, one that I hated was the you suck chant to Kurt Angle mm-hmm. on his return. It was cool when he when it first happened and he was the heel and yep. all that. The fact that it continued once he was a face and the fact that uh, a decade later he comes back and they chant that for him going into the Hall of Fame. They chanted his last entrance at WrestleMania. Like, that, like, infuriated me because it was like no one was chanting it for Kurt Angle. You know, no one was chanting it for any reason other than, hey, this is an opportunity to get myself on TV. Yeah. Like, and, and I just hated it. It was stupid. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, the uh, the three that I had written down were the was the what chant, the CM Punk chant, especially when it's used when fans think that a match is boring. They do yeah. the CM Punk chant. That really bothers me because you got people in the ring working their butts off you know trying to you know doing the best that they can with the, with what they have and i guess another one that kind of goes hand in hand with that is the you can't wrestle chant that always yeah. bugs me uh that I, that bugs me like dave Meltzer telling somebody that they can't wrestle right it's a it's people who you know and i'm just kind of in the monthly mood to shoot on Meltzer. um so oh, yeah. uh, hey man i'm down um, with it i've been i've been doing that for years so yeah <laughs> But no, I, one of the things that infuriates me is when you have a, a you have people going, you can't wrestle, and these people have never wrestled. Mm-hmm. They don't know how hard it is to do just a simple, you know, drop down, leapfrog, headlock takeover, you know, like, mm-hmm. and they're going to tell these other people you can't wrestle. There's a big difference between I'm not entertained, and I understand you can't wrestle is a better chant than you're not entertaining me, yeah. you know, like I, I get that. But, you know, it, it's to me, I look at it and just go like, don't don't take it out on these guys. They can't wrestle. This is, you know, if you want to chant bad creative, knock mm-hmm. yourself out, because that's the appropriate thing. If you're, a John Cena, John Cena can wrestle. He can wrestle better than Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan's one of the best professional wrestlers of all time. And, you know, it, it's it's pro wrestling. It's not all about, you know, people have, have changed their mind on what a good pro wrestler is. And, you know, depending on the generation, I mean, they were there. The guys that came before Harley race, we're talking about how a guy like Harley race is, is, is this young kid who doesn't know how to wrestle. He's mm-hmm. doing his high spots and, you know, so it, it's, you know, it's, it's all relative, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, that I agree with you that you can't wrestle chant drives me crazy. Yeah. It bugs me. Uh, next email comes from chairman of the board. Uh, I don't know if that's Laparka. Yeah, I don't know if it could be Laparka, could be uh, Vince. I don't know who it is. Uh, what would be the best landing spot for the revival? I feel like they are poised for greatness, despite being underutilized in WWE. And for me, I think everybody is gonna say AEW, but I'm gonna kind of uh, go off something you said earlier when you were talking about Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre. I would love the revival to do like a Cody Rhodes type world tour where Cody Cody went to New Japan, he went to Impact, he went to Ring of Honor, uh, you know, he did indie stuff. I would love to see the revival. I I would be I think it would be awesome if they eventually ended up in AEW, 
but I would love them to go to Impact and do and work with some of the teams there and go to Ring of Honor and uh, like you said earlier, we gotta see them at least in a NWA ring for a match yeah. or two, right? What do you think about the, the revival post WWE? So I want to see them end up in AEW, but I agree with you. I'd like to see them do a little bit of a tour. Um, I'd like to see them kind of work their way through. To me, a perfect story would be sign a deal with AEW that says you can work here, 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 and here, and all that stuff up until you know until a certain point, and then you're mm-hmm. with us. And what I would do is I would send them out because right now they have this like this groundswell reputation of they're the best tag team in the world. But because of their main their main roster appearance, they never really had much of an opportunity to show how good they are. So what I would love to do is see them go spend a little time in Japan, even if it's just like, you know, like a couple months, like go do some stuff in Japan and start getting that buzz of, oh, my God, this is just the best tag team in the world. Let them go to NWA, go in and this is the best tag team in the world. And then when they get to AEW, that's when you finally have this opportunity, the no flips, just fist thing to go after the Young Bucks. Young Bucks have long been considered the best tag team in the world. We're the best tag team in the world and get those, you know, marry those two together. And I think that's money. I think that could be, uh, you know, I got at least a six star match, you know, uh, <laughs> if not a seven or eight or nine. Whoa, star match. whoa. So, cal- calm down, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, it all depends. It just depends on where it is, but That's uh, true. yeah, it could be, you know. And uh, oh my God, could you even imagine if Okada's a part of this? If, know, if, I don't if, if Okada's it, even, I don't want to take it out on a. If it's even I in the building somewhere, yeah. If somebody, God, yeah, if Okada, <laughs> Okada's getting popcorn yep. instantly. That's a star. But, yeah, at least a half a star, I would think. Uh, Tokyo yeah. Dome adds a star if somebody uh, in the match has uh, doesn't have English as their first language. I think that adds. If you, if you're a Meltzer fan listening to this right now, <laughs> you hate you hate both of us, and you've probably stopped. Oh right man, now, I I have uh, I have a long running uh, disdain for Meltzer on this show, and my one of my co-hosts, uh, Jason Calcibetta, he uh, he's big time Meltzer guy. He subscribes to the Observer, and uh, you know we just we just go you know tit for tat all the time, and it's fun. I have a good I have a good time yeah. with it. I don't have you know, personal disdain for Meltzer. We just have different it's, philosophies on what on on pro wrestling. It's great. We had a post on a uh, uh, for this month's show, and this guy went on this rant, um, like a four or five paragraph long rant about uh, that. At the end, uh, the, the takeaway that he wanted was to say that both my opinion on my show and Meltzer's opinion in his uh, magazine or his, you know, his newsletter that these, that neither of them have any impact on anyone. He actually said zero impact on anyone in the business. I'm thinking to myself, clearly whatever I said had some impact for (laughs) you to take the time to write this. Then he sent another one about how his thing had been deleted uh, and how, you know, my show, we were acting like babies to delete his post his post was not deleted. Like I went and looked, it was not deleted. It's still very much there for everybody to, to waste five minutes reading. But I, I, I put the point to the guy that my only issue with Meltzer is that, you know, he's entitled to his opinion, except for the fact that he treats his opinion as fact. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I have an opinion on things. There are things I like in wrestling, things I don't like in wrestling. For instance, I'm excited to see the money in the bank thing in, in the, uh, the WWE offices. Some people may not be excited to see that. Uh, the, the Firefly Funhouse, I thought was awesome. Me too. Some people were like, this is terrible. Well, guess what? If it didn't entertain you, it's okay. You know, I've never had any interest in watching The Handmaid's Tale or what I think that's what it's called, right? Yep. The Handmaid's yep. Tale. I see these commercials. I look at it and I go, no, I nothing about that appeals to me. For all I know, I'm missing out on the greatest show ever made. And there are absolutely people who saw that preview, lots and lots of people who saw that preview, that same commercial and thought, ooh, okay, let's check this out. It's okay, it's okay to have a, diff a difference of opinion. What would not be okay is for me to say, uh, it is absolutely a terrible show. Period pieces are horrible. I think it's a period piece, I don't even know. I think just from looking at it, like, it, it, my, my, I don't know why I'm that as an example, but I'm just, you know, my, my point is it's okay, just don't put your opinion as fact. Don't think that your opinion is so strong that it's fact. And that's, you know, and that's my opinion, and you should take that as fact. Uh, I think you and Meanie should watch maybe the first episode of Handmaid's Tale and then talk about it on uh, an upcoming uh, Mind of the Meanie podcast. Yeah, I feel like he's a huge fan of that show. That's <laughs> that strikes me as something Meanie's sitting down watching all the time. But uh, I, th I think that <laughs> I think, and then you could rate it on you know. Uh, uh, We'll do a watch along kind of, from episode one. Yeah, Handmaid's some kind Tale. of some kind of uh, star scale. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe five but then go over five if it's really good or yeah i mean it's definitely an eight star show a <laughs> uh, few emails left here uh deshaun in sacramento writes i was looking forward to wrestlemania 37 coming to la next year but while everyone is talking about the empty arena show that was mania 36 i'm concerned that the pandemic will affect the new football stadium being ready for next year's show should i be worried and is wwe already planning a backup venue uh, the uh, w uh, WrestleMania 37 was supposed to take place at uh, Stan Kroenke. We have a very high disdain for Stan Kroenke here in St. Louis, by the way. He uh, <laughs> he's like persona non grata here in in the city. But Stan Kroenke's new football, his version of Jerry's World, out there in L.A. <laughs> this uh, you know two and a half billion dollar complex that they're building. Uh, I mean, it does look amazing. It does. From what I I've seen it. Yeah, it does. It does. Doesn't mean he's not a piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that is true. It is true. That is true. Dal Dallas, you know, Dallas is garbage, but uh, they have an incre incredible uh, stadium there. That's so, true. You know, that's true. I'm here in Phil. I'm here in Philly. For anybody who doesn't know, <laughs> you can see I've got my Eagles. Uh, Love kind it. of block behind me. Love you can it. See. I see He-Man and Skeletor my, back there too. Yeah, He-Man and Skeletor, dude. I've got so many random things. I needed to dress this up as like a, a set, so I just got so much random stuff. I got my Sherney Award up there. Love it. Love it. Um, I got my Eagles uh, Super Bowl hat right there, and uh, yeah, some cool, some cool merch. And well, things. you had yeah, my He-Man and Skeletor. Uh, uh, they're 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 little banks. I used to, I think I used to have the He-Man one. It's I don't I don't know whatever yeah. happened to it, but uh, you had our boy uh, uh, Chris Long on that uh, Super Bowl uh, winning team. He's a big we're a big fan hey. of his in uh, St. Louis here. He's one of the guys that when uh, St. Louis left, he didn't forget about us here. Yeah, I mean that's what you want to see. You want to see people who uh, who remember where they uh, 
remember where they came from, remember where they spent some time even for a cup of coffee, you know, because the fans are invested in you, so appreciate it. But back to the, the stadium, though. Yeah, these stadiums are getting way behind schedule because of this pandemic. What do you think uh, so for I, next year? So I heard that they were allowed to continue working on it. Oh, okay. Um, but I also heard that they said they're going to be uh, delaying their, I guess it was June or July uh, opening. So the way I see that, that makes me think that they're like limiting their crew or something or, you know, um, working on only specific things. Uh, here's here's my feeling. Kind of answer the end of that first. Um, are they planning a backup venue? I, without doubt. Like unless they have been guaranteed that it's going to be open and even then, after what happened this year, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I guess from now on, forever, the performance center is your backup, sure. right? Like that's, you know, they can do it again if they have to. Um, but to me, you know, I don't know what their backup is. To me, if I'm WWE and I'm saying, hey, we need something as a backup, I'd choose Tampa. They were just, first of all, they're supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So... A year later, hey, now we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, they have been deemed essential by the state of Florida. So, you know, there's that. Um, my The only concern that I would, that, you know, they should really have is it not being ready in time. Because I think that, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe, who knows? Maybe we won't be allowed to gather in that. I and mean, that's a pretty large gathering. Even if they've yeah. opened up, you know, 14,000 seat arenas. And that's still a big, big difference. Um, and, and then again, there's the international travel. Uh, so I don't know. There's definitely concern with that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely it, it's not out of out of the realm of possibility to be concerned that it won't be ready in time or concerned that they won't be allowed to have, you know, um, I, I would vent, I would think that at the very least, um at the very least, I could see them doing WrestleMania at the Staples Center. You know, if, yeah. if you're allowed to have a uh, if you're allowed to get back to that, you know, we're doing our weekly TV mm-hmm. um, because that's a whole other conversation. If, if WWE hasn't been allowed to have an audience larger than like, you know, full sale or something like that, yeah. then WrestleMania is just not happening no matter how big, how finished the building is. So. But let's say for argument's sake that the building is finished, then I think, you know, but but it's a issue of too many people. I could see them saying, hey, you know, we're going to keep it in L.A., but we're just going to, you know, going to move it to something smaller. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. Should you be worried, uh, Deshaun from Sacramento? Unfortunately, I think we should all be a little worried at this yeah. point. Um but hoping for the best. Yeah, I think the uh, Staples Center is a good option, too, especially if you wanted to do another two-night WrestleMania, which I really enjoyed this year. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think about that? Man, I, lo- they should- I, I loved it. I, I thought that, because I went to WrestleMania last year in in, uh, in New York, and um, it was my first WrestleMania that I'd been to. And it was awesome, but you want the you want the crowd to be at their hottest when the main event comes around. And that's seven hours after the show started. And it's just not possible for a crowd to be, you know, to you know, to get to that, you know, the hottest point. Yeah. After they've been sitting there for seven hours, but when you split it up into two nights, 
man, that first night ended with that Boneyard match, which, which was awesome. And by then, I wanted, I was ready for more. I was excited about going to bed that night and waking up and saying, I get more WrestleMania today. That yeah, was that was a really, was really cool. cool. That was a really cool feeling that I think they could capitalize on. Yeah, and think about the opportunity to basically, you know, you can, you have your choice. Are you going to get Saturday, Sunday, or both mm -hmm. tickets? Yep. And you know, that's it. If if I were them, what I would do is I would I would give uh, like a early code to anybody who had the tickets from the previous year, an early opportunity sure. to make sure. That you can get at least even one day, yep. you know. Um, but yeah, I, I just I think there's an opportunity there. Uh, the shows were much more enjoyable being split. I I could not fathom seven hours in the performance center. I also think that you never would have been able to do the Boneyard match, the uh, Last Man Standing match, and the Firefly Funhouse in the same night. Right. I think those three alone would have just been it would have just been exhausting. Um, but I think that, you know, spacing out, I also think that had they done Firefly Funhouse uh, first, I don't think Boneyard match would have uh, got gotten over as well. I think the fact that people are just like, that was cool. That was something interesting. Now they're like, OK, well, what are we going to expect with Firefly Funhouse? And you're kind of expecting another mm -hmm. cinematic thing. And then they just took you totally mm -hmm. elsewhere. So. I think their order was right. And that's another thing, man. They get to tell a story over the course of, of two nights, you yep. know. Um, I think they the only lesson they should have learned was uh, don't ever have Gronk there again. Um, that was ever. the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, now, I know the plan. What I've heard is that it's supposed to be him in, uh, I guess they're going to be in Boston for SummerSlam. Theoretically, I guess they're supposed to be, and that's supposed he was supposed to have like a match. And I'm assuming it's gonna be a tag match, and like Mojo Raleigh will be with him. And Mojo Raleigh, a guy who I think would have been on that released list had he not been friends with with Gronk. Yeah. But uh, you know, the best thing I could see happen would be Gronk get booed. I mean, that dude's a heel. That mm -hmm. dude is a. They think he's gonna get like this big pop because of where they're gonna be. But that dude is a heel, and if you play him up as a heel. Then you got something interesting on your hands, you yeah. know, but but he's a heel. So anyway, well, I like what you said about I honestly, I think Tampa should already be the plan for next year. I think they should just everything. should. Yeah, just unfortunately, get though, down it's already I know. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's already contracted. And then but listen, maybe if there's an issue with the with getting the the stadium built in time that might be an honest conversation sure. that they're able to have sure if they could they, yeah if know, they could announce it far enough in advance sure yeah so be just turns around and says you know we don't know what we're doing and just say hey listen why don't we go to tampa make mm -hmm. good on that and we'll come to you guys next year yeah if if they like, don't I, do, I see everybody being okay with that yeah they definitely in my opinion they they've at least got to do tampa in, in 2022 if if nothing else yeah. Uh, because you know that that was just such a big blow to the city, uh, and not just for not just for like the uh, for the WWE, but like all the other wrestling shows that were going on and mm -hmm. WrestleCon and uh, just, just from that, a tourist yeah, standpoint, all that money yeah. that was that was going to get brought into the city. But you know, WWE loves they like to be the first people yes. to christen a, a stadium, like they did with uh, yes. in Phoenix. So. There, if if it's uh, if it's at all possible to do 
L.A., and if it's at all possible to do the, the new stadium that they're building in Vegas, WWE is going to want to be the, the first one to, to christen yeah. those stadiums. They just they have a thing about wanting to, to be the ones that, that open those. I, I also wouldn't be surprised if they already have a deal in place with The Rock um, with that date. You know, because here's a guy who is just, you know, his schedule is crazy, but I wouldn't be surprised. How can you do WrestleMania, you know, goes Hollywood? Mm-hmm. Uh, they did it last time. It didn't have The Rock when WrestleMania went Hollywood. And I think that was kind of, you know, short-sighted in that regard, but I guess they couldn't do it. And he was distancing himself at the time. But uh, but The Rock, John Cena, even making an appearance by Batista, he's not going to wrestle anymore. But mm-hmm. you've, you've now got all these Hollywood, you know, you, all of your stars that are Hollywood actors. It's a great opportunity to, to have that. And to me, it would be a great opportunity for The Rock to have uh, one last match. Um, you know, I know he, they've said he's like quietly retired. His last match was not going to be Eric Rowan yeah. at WrestleMania for a couple of seconds, um, which, by the way, that was another one that kind of surprised me. Sure. Eric Rowan, mm-hmm. that that surprised me. Um, but because uh, they had such great ideas for him with that yeah, spider that, that and spider, stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bad creative. But, uh, Seriously. Um, yeah. Uh, next, a uh, couple emails left. Next one comes from one of our favorites, Mark the Mark. And he writes, it was pretty cool to see WrestleMania offered on Fight TV this year. Do you think this was a one-time deal, or does this open the door for a future partnership between Fight and WWE? Lucky enough, we've got somebody from Fight TV here, <laughs> Mr. Josh Chernoff. Uh It seems like yeah. Fight kind of does stuff with every wrestling promotion but WWE was utilizing right. the platform of fight, and now the fact that I don't I don't know what the numbers were or how many people bought it on the on the fight app, but just having that option to for people that weren't network subscribers to be able mm-hmm. to to access WrestleMania on the fight app, I thought was was really cool. Do you think this kind of uh, gives us a hint that there could be you know future workings between the two companies in the future, or do you think it was a one time thing? You know, I think it all it all remains to be seen. I, I do know that, you know, the I don't know if this whole pandemic and the situation with WrestleMania played into to them doing this. Right. Um, I know the conversations were t- were going on long before. OK, uh, before any of this, um, to, I, I think. And, and I don't know how serious they were, but I think there's always been. And there were articles written up about it, you know, before. And then there were rumors that WWE was going to buy them and they were talking, you know, and all that. Um, but I think that really what it what it came down to was it was it was a good fit. Now, I don't know. It's above my pay grade of what the success was of it. Um, but I'm sure, especially internationally, I'm sure they did very well on uh, on fight. And that's really the answer. If if everyone made money and everyone was happy, they're gonna do it again. You know, um, uh, for me, I will tell you, this was the 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 question that Mark the Mark asked was the first question that I asked because I'm looking at this going well as the guy who kind of covers some of the events for Fight TV. Mm-hmm. Is this an opportunity for me to get to cover a WrestleMania? Because again, you know, I, I've been so lucky. I've covered. Uh, I have not missed a single AEW pay-per-view um including all in from the very beginning you know before there was even aew Mm -hmm. i've been lucky enough to be able to be a part of every single one uh in a working capacity 
until it looks like now um, I, there's going to be double or nothing is, is you know, that's going to be the first one that I'm going to miss. Um, but uh, WrestleMania never looked like it was on the radar for me to be able to, to work there and do something like that. And I would love to be able to do that. Uh, so, yeah, so that's something, you know, they have the red carpet at the Hall of Fame where, you know, they have people interviewing people and I would love an opportunity to be interviewing people on the red carpet uh, for the Hall of Fame and Fight TV knows that and trust me you know I, I if if that's something that can happen you know um, I'm sure I'll be there but uh, I, I hope so I hope for the partnership because that's what Fight is you know Fight's, Fight is not a promotion Fight right. is a network and if you have an opportunity uh, it, this is this is the premier network for professional wrestling outside of the wwe network and and why shouldn't the biggest show in in the wrestling calendar year be on fight tv as well so uh i think you know if you're going to be on a random cable network you know on pay-per-view why wouldn't you be on fight tv so i i think it was a great idea uh i hope it wasn't a one-time deal i'm sure it was probably signed as a one-time deal again i don't really know but um but like I said, if everyone was happy with it, this is business, you know, they're, they're, they'll be back if, if, ever, if it went well. And I think it did. Yeah, that's my, my biggest uh, thing about it is that I worry sometimes that WWE doesn't like to associate itself with companies that do business with other wrestling promotions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if Fight is Fight's got obviously got a really good partnership with AEW. And I, I think that is the main way overseas. Uh, how people access the AEW pay-per-views is, is the Fight app. I, I know the last pay-per-view, the UK, was only Fight. Right. It was the only way you're going to be able to see it. But I, I think that, you know, one thing if WWE, if, if let's say WWE had had as good a relationship with uh, Fight TV as AEW does, um, and they were sending me to kind of hype the stuff and things mm -hmm. like that, I don't think WWE would, would even want me to be there. To be honest, I, I think they are so from like the way you're saying they don't want to do with this. They don't want to do with that. Um, WWE, I don't think they would want somebody in their arena hyping things with a microphone flag that says fight that doesn't say WWE. I don't think they would want it to be me if I'm not somebody that is recognizable from WWE TV. It's just, you know, it's the way that company is. They're very closed mm -hmm. in that regard. I hope that's not the case, but um yeah there's i i don't see getting the same type of access with wwe that i've been lucky enough to have with other companies but um but yeah hopefully hopefully they're gonna end up working together in, in the future i think that's a missed opportunity personally from wwe because i love the way aew does where you know the the press request and uh you know the actual mm -hmm. you know credential credentialing press to be there i know that's something mm -hmm. that wwe used to do and they've really gotten away from that. They like to keep everything very, uh, uh, what, what's sterile. the word? Sterile. Sterile. That's the exact word yeah. I was thinking of. I was like, what's hey. like when you hang up all the sheets and it's like, <laughs> uh <-huh>. and, uh, <laughs> you know, nobody in or out. They like to keep everything very sterile. And, and it shocks me because when, when they went to Fox, they tried to, when they did the draft, they tried to make it, uh, seem like it, like it was legitimate sport. Uh, they one of the worst things I've ever awful. seen. It was so awfully done that they they wanted so bad to it to be legitimized that they didn't know how to pull it off. That it came off as, as corny and hokey. 
But if you had somebody, you know, uh, like a Fight TV at WrestleMania covering the event, that to me would make it seem more authentic. That would make it seem more right. sport-like, which is what like having Fox like ESPN wants them to or be. Something. Exactly. Like, yeah, or exactly. Fox Sports. Or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, look, I, I am beyond biased when it comes to having Fight TV send somebody out to WrestleMania, uh, whether or not I think it should happen, seeing as it would be me uh, more than likely. So, uh, yeah, I think so. I think that would be awesome. Uh, and hopefully it happens. And, and uh, you know, it, it's why not? Why not try it at least once? Yep. You know, uh, if you need somebody to hold the camera, call your boy. I'm, I'm ready. Sounds good, man. Uh, I, 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 sometimes I, my arm, my arms get a little shaky, but I think that might, uh, I think that would fit right in with WWE, uh, uh, production. Yeah, can you, I could do 17, uh, camera cuts. Yes. I was going to say, I need, uh, I need with every <laughs> syllable, I need you to zoom in and then zoom right out on the next syllable. Yep. I can again do, and again and again. I think there was one. Uh, I think it was the uh, women's tag match at WrestleMania. There was one time where they had 17 camera cuts in 22 seconds. Yeah, it's just. I, I will tell you though, it is impressive. I, uh, I forget what what which pay per view it was. It was the one the uh, AEW one in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was at. It was the first time I ever had the opportunity to hang out in the production truck. And just like listening to them just go, you know, this camera ready, that camera ready. Okay, go to cut to this, cut to that, go back and forth was like, man, I was like getting out of breath just listening to uh, and they they have an amazing, amazing crew there. Uh, And so does the WWE. And while I think it's definitely overkill, they didn't need that many shots. Uh, I don't like the way WWE produces their their television uh, compared to how they used to produce it um, in a lot of ways. But I won't take anything away from the the effort there because man, they're they're not slacking. That's for sure with with doing that. WWE is, I mean, to get 17 shots in in 22 <laughs> seconds, that means that somebody that means that for in, in 22 seconds somebody queued yep. up all of those shots no and, and directed. You know, so yeah. A final email comes from Robin in D.C., and Robin writes, What has been your favorite Dark Side of the Ring episode so far, and what would you like to see them cover in Season 3? Josh, have you been keeping up with the uh, Vice documentaries, The Dark Side of the Ring? So I'm actually, I'm one episode behind, Mm -hmm. uh, the Jimmy Snuka one. I haven't had an opportunity opportunity to see that yet. Um, I, I, I... I'm sure it's great because I think everything they, they put out has been really good. Uh, so far, uh, I think the Benoit one was most intriguing and heartbreaking and, and just, uh, just really incredibly done and very difficult to watch, but very tastefully done. Mm-hmm. I thought, um, I did not feel that they glorified anybody or anything. Uh, I think they, I, I think they were fair. I think they were honest. Um, and I think it really captured how difficult it is um, to, to process something like that. So, um, and I, what I didn't know, so I had actually, um, uh, you know, I don't want to ruin anything for people who haven't seen it, but there's a shot uh, of some of the people backstage, you know, of um, uh, David uh, Benoit 
with Chris Jericho backstage right. at a show. Um, and that was, uh, I'm trying to think where, I guess that was in Chicago, I think. It was because I was there when that happened. Not with, not in the room when that meeting happened, but I never realized that they were filming for that. But I, I saw... Um, I saw him there earlier in the day. He was there with Chavo and uh, um, David Benoit was, uh, you know, pronouns pal. Goddamn. Come on, yeah, Josh. Uh, but da- David Benoit was there with um, with Chavo um, earlier and, and, and just kind of hanging out at like catering at one point and, and around. And uh, and I had seen him and I had seen him at uh, at Starcast at one point. So when I saw when they filmed that, I was like, oh, okay, I know exactly when that was, and you know, um, just recognizing where they were and stuff. So, uh, but I didn't even know that that was that that was going on at the time then, and uh, I think it was it was really cool for him to be there. I've always felt so bad for him, um, just the way that that people look at him, right. a guy who did nothing, right. did, did less than nothing like you know what i mean like literally had nothing to do with this and and has to carry that around uh with him but um but yeah i i thought that was the best one as far as what um i'm very much looking forward to the owen hart one i yep. i hate to say it in that way because like i'm looking forward to oh i can't yeah, wait to watch I a know. show about a guy that died um but i i loved owen hart um i i as a, as a wrestler and the one time I had an opportunity to meet him, I was, I want to say I was 14 years old and, uh, just the way, you know, he and my dad were just like having a, I got Bill after brought me and my dad and a friend of mine backstage, um, at a, a house show in Philly. And I got to meet Owen take a picture with him. And just my, uh, my dad and him were just talking. My dad wasn't even a wrestling fan and they weren't even talking about wrestling. They, I don't know. I honestly don't, I wish I knew what they were talking about. Um, but they, uh, you're just, just thinking back about the two of them. Just, I can picture them just standing there in the locker room area, just chatting about something. And it was, and that's everything that I've ever heard about Owen Hart was that he could just become friendly with anybody and what, and they were just having a conversation about something having nothing to do with, wrestling maybe they were talking about philly and something you know whatever it was but always like stood out to me that he like just took the time and i'm sure a lot of it was as a favor to knowing bill and and you know but just took the time to talk with us and talk to me and and ask you know asking me how i liked the show and asking me this that and i mean he was absolute you know my uh my fate he's one of my favorites one of my absolute favorites was always I, i went through a really tough time during the uh the breton owen uh, you know, feud mm-hmm. as a kid because I loved both of them. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I am, I'm looking forward to it in the sense that I'm hoping it provides some form of closure mm-hmm. um, to something that was so, you know, traumatic for, you know, a lot of us and from, you know, at my age, you know, being young at that time, watching that as a fan. And, and of course, you know, what, what we as fans experienced with that was, nothing uh even in the same ballpark as what his family and his friends experienced but for all of us i mean this was an opportunity i i i had never experienced something like that you're watching a show you're watching him on a promo getting ready for his match and then they come back and tell you this and then they come back a, a few minutes later to tell you he's died mm-hmm. and i'm sitting there by myself as a kid watching that pay-per-view 
dude, that's a tough thing to process. The yeah. next day, I'm seeing I'm seeing in the newspaper, um, I uh, there is a you know they're selling newspapers. I was going to school, and I saw the picture, and it was him on the front cover being tended to in the ring. And I'll never forget seeing that because that's not you know we didn't have social media back then. We didn't have you know instantly, and thank God we didn't because I'm glad there weren't a bunch of pictures being snapped and oh, yeah. of, of things like that but um but just i remember as a kid like trying to process this and then there i am the next day seeing this i'd never seen something like that before i'd never seen i'm looking at this knowing this person was basically dead at that point this is a, a wrestling hero of mine and now i'm looking at him on this on the newspaper here it was very traumatic in that respect and 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 certainly not just for me as a fan so um i am looking forward to it from a closure standpoint of that um but uh, i'm also looking forward to the the uh dino bravo one which oh, is yeah. which is going to air this week uh just because that's always been something they've never really been talked about yeah like, kind I remember, of fly under the radar yeah, story yeah, yeah. I remember reading an article in, a, in in one of the wrestling magazines as a kid, and it was like literally like went down a list. It was like Kerry Von Erich uh, died of a gunshot, a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the chest. Dino Bravo uh, was found dead in his apartment. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And then again, no internet, so it was years before I heard. Oh, he was shot, and then yeah. oh, he was shot like seven times. Yeah. Oh, he was shot like sixteen times. Yeah. Whatever. So like you know, so again, I'm kind of just interested uh, about that. But they do an incredible job. But as far as what I'd like to see them cover in season three, just off the top of my head, and that was the answer I wanted to go with when I first saw this question, um, is this? I'd love to see them cover this the, podcast. Uh, this podcast, wow. the Rhino Wrestling Review. Yeah, um, I'm in. Yeah, there's a lot and, of dark uh, stuff the, on the show. The dark, the dark side about how you have to sit and listen to me ramble. Um, yeah, no, the the uh, the no the the um, I'd love to see them kind of cover wrestling during the the pandemic, mm-hmm. and you know, and everything that happened and how it affected indie promotions and how it affected indie wrestlers and how it affected the wrestlers that were laid off from the WWE. I think that this is a very this is a, a as they keep saying, an unprecedented time uh, in wrestling. So that's something that I would, I'd be kind of interested uh, to see. But um, I'm sure there are a million other things that I just can't think of that I'd like to see and like to like to learn about. Um, you know, they 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 touched something that was interesting um, with the brawl for all episode, which I thought was actually really cool too. Mm-hmm. Was they kind of, I guess they realized that draws. Uh, his his incident was not going to be a not going to be enough I guess meat on the bone for a full episode right. and they kind of gave you like a little inside episode there which uh, again that closure is you know something that uh, was nice same way with Ben Wabra they kind of gave you a little bit of an Eddie Guerrero mm-hmm. talking about the way he passed and stuff so that was something that was interesting but um, I wouldn't mind an episode that kind of dealt with um, that dealt with kind of as a as a whole that there was this seemed like there was this time period where it was like you know rick rude and davy boy smith and mr perfect and hawk uh from the legion of doom like there was like this just everybody was dying it felt like in a year or two yep. year period and i'd like to see them cover that and really dig deep into um 
because these weren't so much like salacious, like, you know, their whole story and the behind the scenes of this, but I'd really love something that like would, would look at the, the drug use and, yeah. and the effects of that. And, yeah. and you know, that hopefully that could even have a happier ending because of how much things have changed in the business. Yep. So, yeah. but yeah, there's some ideas. What about you? Uh, you know, the first of all, the Benoit one uh, made me run the gamut of emotions. I was there was times where I was sad watching that. There was times where I was angry watching that. There was times when I was just bewildered watching that. But to me, that one was the most well done. And kind of to a, something that you said earlier, it's it's hard to get ex- to say we're excited about mm-hmm. us. Uh, you know, the the documentary is called Dark Side of the Ring, so you know it's not going to be uplifting stories. But right. it, it is nice to be able to – I thought uh, – something that Jericho said uh, during the, the Benoit documentary said this is going to be the definitive word and probably the final word on mm-hmm. on the Benoit story. And I thought that was a, a good way of putting it you know, because it's obviously going to come up, especially with – you know, when you see David, God, he looks so much like his dad. I mean, like, and that's, and that's what, that's probably part of the the issue that he has when people see him, they immediately Mm -hmm. think about his dad. And what's the first thing you think about when you think of Chris Benoit is how the story ended. You know, you don't think about the, you know, the, how much he loved his kids and how, you know, how much of a a great of a wrestler he was and how good of a person, you know, nice of a guy he was backstage. Uh, You know, I was glad that they, they, touched on you know the cte issue and uh the fact that they're starting to take that more seriously now because i think that when the benoit thing happened they were you know the, just the news outlets talking about roid rage and all that on all that crap yeah. that just it really rubbed me the wrong way we see the cte thing is happening in other sports you see a guy like junior seau who was just the most mm-hmm. nicest pers- most personable happy guy in the world cte made him you know commit suicide yeah. Uh, there's there. I'm I'm glad that that gave us, like you said, some clo- some closure on that. Um, yeah, we talked about a little bit on. I'm sorry. Uh, we talked about a little bit on Mind of the Meanie mm-hmm. um, after it aired, and um, it was interesting getting Meanie's take on it. But one of the the things that I had kind of said, and I, I I was like apologizing why while saying it because I didn't want it to be taken the wrong way, but it's like. Yeah, I don't want to. You can't take any responsibility away from Chris Benoit for what happened. Of course. But. If you're somebody who's ever, you know, had a family member go through uh, Alzheimer's or, you know, anything like that, and his brain was described as a 80-year-old with Alzheimer's. Yep. So if we're to take that as truth, take that as fact, then it starts to become you look at it and you say there's the Chris Benoit before the brain damage and the Chris Benoit after. Yep. And the Chris Benoit before the brain damage cannot be held responsible or at least fully held responsible for what the Chris Benoit after the brain damage did. And that's a really tough thing because that, that seems like I'm apologizing for a, a murderer, uh, a man who murdered his wife and his child. And I'm not trying, and I'm not trying to, but as we learn more about that, it really is a, a, it's a, it's, it's a tough topic because you don't want to you don't want to forgive him or make an excuse and no he can't ever be in the hall of fame you can't no. you just can't uh, you know um nancy should be hands down without sure. question should be in the hall of fame for what she did having nothing to do with any of this mm-hmm. um and having to do with this she was a victim so the fact that what are you going to do like oh and and because you were murdered we're also not going to put you in sure. like that's even beyond horrible so 
But I look at it and it just it, it 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 upsets me to the point where I think about how how can I put how Chris Benoit the 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 original Chris Benoit would have felt to know that that was what he was going to do, mm-hmm. and it makes me wonder whether or not he would have with that knowledge of what he was going to become. If he would have pulled back on those chair shots to the head, if yep. he would have pulled, you know. But at the same time, I'd like to say that everybody would if they had known. But you have to just check out some of the wrestling going on today, and they're still doing it. Yep. They're still, you know, and and, it, and they wear it like a badge of honor. And at this point in time, I look at it and I say, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you thinking? You know, so I don't know. That, that's just my, my point. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, to cut you off there. Um no, I feel I feel the same way. I thought they did a good job of not glorifying uh, mm-hmm. what what had happened. I thought they did a good and not and not excusing it either. But you got to have all the information. If you've got yeah. you know Nancy Grace out there just telling you that you know this this guy's on steroids and that's why he did yeah, this. She's and, an, and she's wrestling's an bad. You know, wrestling's bad because of that. That's not that's not the story. That's not you need to have all the facts and then you can come, you know, arrive at your own conclusion. And I thought they did a good job of giving us all the facts, you know, uh, doing that whole part one about Eddie Guerrero and how that, you know, really kind of coincided yeah. with all with all these things that were going on in, in the brain and, and caused this man to be, you know, probably clinically depressed on top of, you know, the other issues that were going on, you know, in his brain. That that's just not, you know, you got to have the whole story in order to to make yeah. that judgment. I think that the Vice documentaries do a good job of giving you all the information and letting you kind of come to your own. Uh, as much of the story as we're ever gonna know. Yeah. You know? uh, uh, as far as what I want to see in season like say, three, yeah. I got a few. Um, I would love to see something on the Ultimate Warrior because I think there's. Hmm. We did the WWE did that self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, which was just like a smear job on uh, Jim Hellwig. And then when all of a sudden everything was forgotten, and Ultimate Warrior is he's just great guy, this uh, this figure that we can all look up to, and all of a sudden he's not a homophobe and he's not a racist anymore. And yeah, right. <laughs> we're gonna name a, an award after him, and then well, they come, they well, come out with another were, documentary. I was always told there were multiple Ultimate Warriors anyway, so That's I true. think it's like. There was like the the Dingo Warrior, and yep. then there was the other one. Then there was the one that came back at WrestleMania yep. eight. I think right. he was the racist and and the oh, uh, and the homophobe, okay. right? Gotcha. And then there was the guy from WCW. That guy, what he he was. I think he was only a homophobe, but not racist. And then I think by the time he came back, yeah, no, he was he was completely cured of all of Interesting. that. Interesting. Now, see, yeah. that's. Uh... I didn't think of it that way. So now that could yeah. even be, uh, you know, another way. You know, the multiple personalities of the Ultimate Warrior that we could, yeah, <laughs> uh, that Dark Side of the Ring advice could could tackle. But the fact that that you know they WWE all of a sudden they came out with this new documentary about how great the Ultimate Warrior is, and man, I just from everything I've heard, you know, I heard Jim Ross. You hear Jim Ross talk about the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Oh my God! He just like he was just the biggest piece of crap in the wrestling business, and yeah. the, the only person they could find that would be willing to induct him was Linda McMahon. The only person that he had like right. a semi decent relationship with. I think there's a lot of layers to the Ultimate Warrior that they could do something on. Um, I think the McMahon uh, and WWE steroid trial 
is uh, one that I've I've never really seen uh, somebody do a deep dive on would be really good. Good call. Uh, And I think Brian Pillman, too, the fact that that Pillman had, um, you know, I think he was only 35 when he when he passed away. If, uh, if that. Yeah. I, th- I Just the fact I that, know. you know, you've got guys that are in their mid-40s doing some of the best work that they've ever done. You think about, you know, how far a guy like, like Pillman could have gone. And the fact that you've got his son in the business now, again, who, you know, spitting image of his dad, you know, all the way down to the mullet. Uh, the fact that you could get... Uh, <laughs> You know, you could, Brian. You Brian could is get, very proud of that mullet. Yeah, he really yeah, is. Yeah, he seems to be. He seems to be. The yes. fact that you could get, you know, somebody like like Pillman Jr. on there too to talk about his dad, and I think mm-hmm. I think he would be open to something like that too because the the Vice documentaries seem like they've been very fair uh, with yes. with bringing guys on. Um, you know, they had uh, with, you know with Chavo and and Dean and Jericho and then uh, David Benoit too. The fact that they were, I thought they were very fair to them and gave them a chance to, um, you know, say what they wanted to say and respond the way they wanted to respond. Yeah. I think they didn't exploit them. I think the Pillman thing would be would be a very interesting story just because of the sad nature of how that all ended and kind of giving people some more background leading up to that. And how how it got there, you know, mm-hmm. with his car accident right. and all the yeah yeah you, you there's you know there had to have been. You know, you would think there would have been a mixture of, like, depression with that, the fact that he couldn't, you know, wrestle as much or the way he used to, and then maybe even, you know, CTE issues and things like that with with Pillman, too. Uh, Then I think another one that that could actually kind of be a fun one would be the plane ride from hell. You know, we never really heard, like, we've heard bits and pieces, but everybody seems like they're on, like, a gag order about what really happened. And I would love Dude, you to, need see to a, a deep dive. You need to reach that. out. You need to reach out to these guys from Dark Side of the Ring because yeah. you, you, this is a stack season three right yeah, here. There we go. Name. There's four episodes right there. We yeah. just need to add on a couple more. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I hope they. I do no, hope I, they I, keep I, going I, with season three though because I've I've really enjoyed the first couple of seasons and I don't I don't know why they wouldn't. You yeah. know, it's successful. You know, so. Um, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it too. I, I think this season is uh, season's even even better than the first one. I, agree. I thought the first one was great. So I agree. Yeah. Well, Josh, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Josh Chernoff of Fight TV. Josh Chernoff of Mind of the Meanie. Uh, Josh Chernoff of your local bingo uh, calling <laughs> at the senior center, as we referred to earlier. Uh, I'm, I'm currently not allowed there because of uh, COVID-19. Oh, so. man. I, you yeah. should do some via Skype. I heard, like, celebrities are doing that, uh, like, Skyping in and calling uh, uh, calling bingo for the senior citizens. I'd have, I'd have to be a celebrity first, though. So. Oh, come on. You're you're Josh Chernoff of Fight TV, of So Says Chernoff, <laughs> of uh, On the Ropes with Josh Chernoff, of Mind of the Meanie. Uh, let the people know... Uh, First of Mind of the Mania, it is available on all podcast platforms. Uh, Everywhere, the- and if you can't find it, yeah, if you can't find it on your podcast platform, send us a message and we'll get on there. That's kind of how we've been doing it. We went across the board, everyone that we could think of, and uh, some people would be like, hey, what about this one, which I'd like, never heard of, and mm-hmm. we made sure that we got on there too. Yeah, So, uh, and that drops every week. Every Monday at 6 a.m., except for this one, uh, we just kind of was ready to go. and We just put it out there. I think 
Sunday or Saturday night, maybe. And I appreciated that because I I needed something to listen to. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we put out a little early. We we the reason, and we might do that again from time to time, especially as things are going on in the world. But uh, the reason that we did Monday is because we normally record on a Friday, and it gives us, you know, in case something happens and we need to push it to Saturday or Sunday, it just gives us that, you know, little little bit of time there. Um, but yeah, you can go uh, on social media at Mind of the Meanie across the board. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's at Mind of the Meanie. Uh, we have a YouTube page that we just launched. So you can watch it on YouTube as well, or I guess listen to it on YouTube uh, while you look at our logo. But people like to. People like to go on YouTube. Sure. Uh, so the podcast. Um, that is That doesn't have a URL yet. Um, because it's that brand new. Yep. So we need to get some subscribers on there. Um, yeah. And then just mind of the meanie.com and you can check out some of our merchandise. Uh, it takes you directly to pro wrestling tees. Yeah. There's some cool um, stuff so, on there. Yeah. Yeah. No. And we're just, and that's part of the fun. We're having fun coming up with that stuff. We're blown away every time somebody orders a shirt that like, you know, we had a, a silly idea that we threw on a yeah. shirt and somebody wanted it. Uh, but it, it, it's uh, listen, we're blown away every time we see the number go up on on the number of downloads. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll check in on it every once in a while and I'll, I'll shoot the message over to Meanie to let them know how it's going. And, you know, it, the I don't know what's more incredible, the fact that it's it's continuing to grow or that episode one is continuing to yeah. grow. And then episode two and three and four. So, like, people are still discovering it and uh and so just when we kind of go, oh, right, hey, that was kind of our goal of what we thought we'd hit, mm-hmm. and then it's exceeding it, and that's really, uh, that's really exciting and uh, and and humbling too. We're we're both, you know, me especially because I, you know, I don't have the the name and reputation that the Meanie has, but Meanie is very humbled by it as well, uh, and means a lot to him that people are giving it a chance. Um, and it means a lot to us that you're that that everybody's enjoying it. Um, so yeah, so check it out at Mind of the Meanie. Uh, what about So Says Chernoff? I know you just dropped your most recent episode on Fight TV. The cool thing about Fight TV is that anybody can get it. You can get yeah, and it's get, free. Yeah, on it's Fight. totally free. Yeah. Just all you got is I mean, you could download. Uh, I've got Fight TV on uh, on my phone. I've got it on you know my Xbox. I've got it on my uh, Amazon Fire Stick. Uh, you can get it on you know pretty much. You know any yeah. platform that you want, and then you could you know check out So Says Chernoff for free. Uh, in addition to you know all the other, that's how you could check. That's how I usually watch Ring of Honor is on the the Fight app. There's a lot of cool stuff on there, but it is uh, it drops monthly. Are you going to be able to continue uh, getting the episodes out monthly despite the? Because I know you were you really had a cool setup. Uh, was it Montgomery County? community college yeah, community college yeah where you actually yeah, had so the we, students that were you know getting uh you know production experience uh on your show yeah so so we i was doing once a month with them for over a year and then uh i guess so so for march um they shut the school down mm-hmm. uh two days before we were supposed to film so in the very beginning it was like we're getting messages saying like uh they told us we can film but we can't have an audience um, so we're like, okay, well, I mean, people will understand. And then they're like, yeah, no, you can't even come into the school. You're not, yeah. yeah, we're not having anybody in. So at that point, what happened was the, uh, two crew members, um, borrowed some of the equipment and came with a teleprompter and came with different and lighting and all that stuff and came in to my office. Um, not, not where I'm doing this. I'm in my home office now, but did it at, at my actual office 
and they came in and, and we did the show with no audience uh, for March. And then for the April show, we've obviously reached a point now where it wasn't even necessarily safe uh, for even myself and two crew members to come together. So it was me. It was. And if you look as like a little Easter egg in the credits, um, it's just it just says like me, also me, yep. still me. Yep. Um, but uh, it's. Yeah, I mean, I literally just set up um, the camera that we use for on the ropes uh, when we're fi- or when we're filming things out in the field. Uh, I set that up. I have my own little microphone I clipped on, and uh, I took my my smartphone and had a teleprompter app and set it up just slightly above the camera and sat at this desk here and did the best that I could. And uh, I think it was a fun episode. I actually um, I had Blue Meanie come on there so the first part of it is what we call Chernoff Soapbox where I talk about uh, my feelings towards Dave Meltzer's star ratings and Love stuff um, and then uh, the second half of the show was an interview with the Meanie which is actually really cool if you because it was about maybe 10-15 minutes or so and uh, not even maybe 10 minutes yeah and and so um, it's a great way to kind of get a taste of what Mind of the Meanie is like of our interactions and uh um, so yeah, so that's, that's another way to kind of get a taste on that, but yeah, we're going to keep doing it, man. As long as, you know, I can stay healthy here and, and, uh, and put, cause nobody wants to watch me do a show if I'm sick. I can tell you that much. Um, but, uh, no, we're, the plan is we're going to do it again in May and we're going to do it until we're allowed to do it back in the studio and, and we're going to keep going and, and, uh, and I'm excited about it. And it's, it's challenging for me to come up with something it's going to be funny when it doesn't have an audience. Uh, it's nice. Anyway, people, I had an audience and people would just be like, oh, you have, I hate that canned laughter. I'm like, there's an audience yeah. here. So, yeah. You know, so now it's, it's, uh, yeah. So I, it's, it's fun though to do. And, and I'm, I'm trying to come up with some creative things I can do. Um, hoping to get someone else for an interview. Um, maybe cause I thought that was kind of cool. And that, that filled in the time, made it a little bit unique, but it wasn't just me yelling into a void. So, you know, um, so I'll kind of go through my Rolodex and see who I can get. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. And, and you can check that out uh, go to YouTube.com slash so says Chernoff, uh, obviously Fight TV, uh, Facebook, uh, I believe. So Facebook and Twitter are at Chernoff Show. Um, because the name came from my Twitter handle, which is at so says Chernoff. So you can just follow me on social media, uh, at so says Chernoff, uh, so says Chernoff.com. We got a bunch of cool, uh, merchandise there, shirts and things like that. Um, so, uh, but also you can get the episodes there It'll link you directly to it. So yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, on the ropes. Um, yeah, I'm I was going to check gonna my ask, phone. Yeah. I wanted to ask you yeah, about but, on the ropes. Cause that a uh, good chance that that could be dropping, uh, this week, possibly. Yeah, it should be. Should be this week on on Fight TV. Um, let me see. I don't even remember what the. Oh, it's at O T R on Fight F I T E. So O T R on Fight. Um, that's on. You know, we we just launched that. So please give us some more followers on there. Yeah. Um, and 
Yeah, so I mean, it, it's I think that's the same Facebook handle as well. But uh, you'll be able to find those on those episodes on Fight TV and also at so, uh, youtubecom sherlock We'll have the first two episodes air on Wednesday as well. So, yeah, man, I think that's it. Uh, <laughs> all of my <laughs> uh, my social security number is uh, that'd be you know, great. So yeah, yeah, yeah the, that's save good. that's just for just uh, private message that to me and I'll uh, yeah I'll send that over. Yeah, I'll just buy a house with uh, under your name. <laughs> Uh, just a uh, quick uh, recommendation, if I can uh, make that. If you want, if you're looking for something for an upcoming episode of So Says Chernoff, I would say start in your basement. You have to fight your way up. Hey, there you go. To the the main level, maybe fight your way up to the roof where the microphone is. Got to grab ah. that microphone and then you can record. I just came up with that idea off the top of my. I like head. that. I like that. Hey, you know what? First of all, that's a great idea, and maybe I'll take it. But uh, I also just wanted to say, since I was on here, I want to thank you because the Rhino Wrestling Review sponsored three episodes, episodes two, three, and four Baby! of Mind of the Genie. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Hey, it was uh, it, it was really kind of you to uh, to do that and show that support. Um, we really, really appreciated that, and uh, I hope that we we did you proud with our. Uh, with with our promos for you very much um, so i appreciate it and and everybody can know that we weren't lying we both me and myself genuinely do enjoy the rhino wrestling review <laughs> um but i do want to know i i have to report this back to Meanie. um do you own the pro wrestling.com uh i do not I, okay. I do not i'm just uh, i'm just a contributor uh, okay, because we have been giving props to you for that, <laughs> uh, but we weren't sure whether or not you actually owned it. Yeah, uh, Mike Killam is the managing editor. Oh, Mike Killam. Over there. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. He used to be with uh, Wrestle uh, WrestleZone. Yeah. Yeah. But he's uh, he took over uh, at ProWrestling.com maybe I want to say a year and a half, two years ago, and it's really you know up the profile on there. So you know they get yeah. You know, uh, I think a couple million, you know, visits a month and, you know, just being able to be associated yeah, that, with all. that is uh, <laughs> being able to be that's associated with million. that is uh, is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know who who got uh, their hands on pro wrestling dot com initially Amazing. to get the uh, you know, to get that that URL. Um, they had to have gotten that in like 1996. Yeah, like or like yeah, and grab and grab that up. Yeah, it started cause... off as like a GeoCities page or something <laughs> like that, and they just <laughs> they just uh, you know kind of transitioned over to uh, uh, to .com. But yeah, being on ProWrestling.com, uh, being having that opportunity and you know getting that exposure has has really helped us, and uh, being affiliated with uh, Mind of the Meanie has been uh, quite a pleasure and. Uh, the fact that I'm co-sponsoring a show along with Manscaped is just a dream of mine. Hey, man. Hey, yeah. So Manscaped is uh, – uh, they did the So Says Chernoff, and we're, uh, we're hoping to get Manscaped on for Mind of the Meanie. Um, but you can go right now, promo code Josh, just because we're locked in doesn't – it's no excuse not to uh, not to make sure that you're all taken care of where, where it counts. So, exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. yeah, go to manscaped.com, promo code Josh, and you will uh, save yourself some money and, and uh, yeah, that's the most I'm comfortable talking about <laughs> here. Uh, you know, so. 
Yeah, I was going to go somewhere too, but I think if we, Dude, we do that, we might go down the rabbit hole a little bit here. Well, so they sent so they sent me like a whole thing for so says so sure and they're like, you know, we just ran their commercial that they sent us. So, but they're like, you know, if you want to talk about it or whatever, and I'm like, look at this, it's like something I can have fun. Like if I do it with Meanie or like we're talking now, like we could have some fun like back and forth talking sure. about it. But there was something about me sitting by myself talking <laughs> to a camera about about grooming myself that just I was I was like, you know what, we're going to run the commercials. We're going to hope for the best. Uh, I just there are a lot of things I'm comfortable with. But for whatever reason, that one uh, was just Weird. That just felt weird. We found the line you know? that Josh Chernoff is not willing to cross. He'll go right up to that for, line. For the amount of money they were paying. That's true. Now, okay. having said that. <laughs> the line moves a little bit. Yeah, they want to the income double goes it. Up. Gotcha. Yeah, they want to double it, and I'll pull that razor out right here. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, no, yeah, man, you hey, can check you that so out on youtube.com slash so says Chernoff. Live demonstration. For a short amount of time before the uh, video is removed. That's right. But, uh, yeah. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Josh Chernoff, no, follow, dude, follow him uh, on all his social media platforms and uh, follow all the projects that he's got going on right now. I'm sure we will, because uh, we got nothing else going on, man. I'm sure we'll do this again in the in the near future. We're just kind of you know trying to uh get through life right now but i appreciate you taking the time out for me and uh, uh the show uh the fans of the show really appreciate you uh when you come on and uh open up the mailbag with me well i, I appreciate anyone who uh was willing to listen to me for a couple of hours uh hog the microphone on your show so thank you uh for giving me somebody to talk to sure in these crazy times and uh, yeah. yeah man thanks for having me on anytime uh, anything you need and thanks again for all the support you've shown me and my shows yeah and if you want to take care of your mailbag uh manscape.com promo code josh <laughs> there you go there we go love it hey man thanks a lot and i'll talk to you soon all right take care man so there you go, folks. Another edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review in the books. Big thanks to Josh Chernoff for joining us. Make sure to check out On the Ropes, the new series that he's got coming out on Fight TV. Also check out So Says Chernoff on Fight TV every month as well. You can also do that at youtube.com forward slash So Says Chernoff. And his brand new podcast drops every Monday. It's Mind of the Meanie with Josh Chernoff and the Blue Meanie, ECW legend. Check it out on all podcast platforms and mindofthemeanie.com where you can pick up some cool Mind of the Meanie merch. And once again, just a big thank you to Josh for joining us on this week's show. Uh, he supports our show. We'd like you to support all his shows as well. And we give uh, big thanks also to ProWrestling.com for allowing us to put on these shenanigans for you each week. We will be back again next week with some more news and notes in the world of pro wrestling. Until then, don't kick out of each other's finishers. See ya! Hey. It's the R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker cause I'm picking up my dough, and when I'm in the booth like I'm cooking up a O.